you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles today, and I tell you today, if you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to take one of those with you. Uh, John 20 will be, should be found on page 906 in that Pew Bible, and so you can turn there. Obviously, as we gather here this morning, we're celebrating what we call Easter Sunday. Another name that we like to use in the church as well is Resurrection Sunday. And I like Resurrection Sunday because it makes plain what we are celebrating today. We are celebrating, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For those who are here for our Good Friday service, you know that we started this weekend by taking time to consider the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we think about Jesus going to the cross, uh, we are reminded that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for us. And that we remember that on Friday in that Good Friday service. We see him hanging upon that cross and them, him being willing to die for us and to die for our sins. You see, it was his death that took the payment for our sins. In fact, Peter, the apostle Peter, put it this way. He said, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You see, Jesus died that he might, look, it says, bring us to God. You know, if Jesus had not died, we would still, folks, this morning, be hopelessly lost in our sin. And we praise God today because he was willing to deal with our sin problem. And we praise God today because he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sin. However, as important as Jesus' death to us, just as important, or maybe I should even say this morning, even more important to us, is his resurrection. You know, the Apostle Paul made this clear when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You see, it was Jesus' resurrection that truly proved his power over sin and death and proved truly who he was. In fact, if we were to consider his closest followers when he walked upon the earth, even they found initial confusion about who he was and even what he had come to do. I want to focus on Peter in particular this morning because uh, we read just a few seconds ago the words of Peter declaring the importance of Jesus' death, but those words were written after Jesus' resurrection and after Peter had clearly understood who Jesus was. But that was not always the case for Peter's life and even the other followers of Jesus. You know, again, I've had you turn to John 20 this morning, so let me set some background before we read the text today. Because in the immediately preceding verses in John 19, we see where Jesus has died on a cross and he has been laid in a borrowed tomb. I have a picture of a, a tomb from Jesus' time. You see here in those days, the tombs would contain within them a burial slab. You see that to your right there. And what would happen is a body would be placed upon that slab where it would decompose. And after it had decomposed, they would come back into the tomb and they would take those bones and they would collect them and put them in a little small box called an ossuary box. And then they would store that box in these tombs. Now, since Jesus died just before the start of the annual Jewish Sabbath, some of Jesus' followers quickly removed his body from the cross. They wrapped it in burial cloths and they placed it in a tomb that was sealed with a heavy stone. And after the Sabbath was over, some of Jesus' followers, they came to that tomb to anoint his body with oil. Now, no doubt these followers, as they came that morning, they were saddened and they were confused. 
No matter what they thought about Jesus' true purpose, they knew that they loved him and that they were shocked and saddened by his death. They most likely would have also came that morning thinking that Jesus Christ had not fulfilled his purpose since I have mentioned before that they were expecting him to be this conquering or warring king, that they expected him to become king of Israel. And so not only were they saddened at his death, but they were discouraged that he had not taken the throne in Jerusalem. And so we read now in John 20 what happened as some of his followers made it to the tomb that morning. Look at me as we read John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they had laid him. Now, if we were to pause right here, we'll see where in this case Mary Magdalene came to the tomb first and discovered that it was empty. Now, I want to give you a word of caution today. If you're reading about the Easter story in the other gospel accounts, I want you to remind you of this, that each gospel writer wrote from a different perspective. And so they highlighted different details or aspects of the events of the life of Jesus. Because if you were to read in Luke's gospel, and we need to remember when we're reading Luke that he was a very detail-oriented man. He was a physician, and so he wrote with great detail. He wrote the fact that there were other women with Mary that morning when they went to the tomb and found it empty. It also says that she went into the tomb and looked and discovered it was empty. It doesn't say here in John that Mary went into the tomb, but we assume she does because in her report she says this, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they had laid him. Him. That statement also lets us know that at this point, she is still confused somewhat about what has happened. You see, at this point, Mary and the others may still have thought that someone has simply stolen the body of Jesus Christ. And she reports this to Peter and the other disciple. And as she gives them this report, this is what we continue to read in John 20, beginning back in verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now here we see something interesting in the account of these two disciples running to the tomb to check things out. Verses 8 and 9 is key in the fact that verse 8 tells us that one of the disciples went in, it says, and he saw, and the key word there, it says, and he believed, and then verse 9 added this little detail. Look at what it says, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must what? Rise from the dead. Here's what we clearly need to know. That before the resurrection took place, even his disciples failed to understand fully who Jesus was and what he was accomplishing. Though Jesus had tried to explain to them his mission, they just didn't quite get it. 
However, after seeing the empty tomb, things began to sink in. They began to realize what Jesus had been telling them. They began to realize that indeed he was more than a conquering king and that the enemy that he came to defeat was not the Romans, but instead he had come to defeat death, hell, and the grave. He had come to defeat sin. Luke's writing about Peter's encounter with the empty grave recorded this for us. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, look at this, marveling at what had happened. You see, Peter left that day marveling because I believe at that moment he began to realize that Jesus was more than he had understood. Though Mary had stated she believed that someone had moved the body, Peter, having seen the burial cloths lying in the empty tomb, realized this, that, God, that, that grave, ra- grave robbers all right, do not take a body and leave behind the burial cloths. They would have snatched everything quickly and ran. And for Peter, it began to come clear that Jesus had indeed rose from the grave. And Jesus' words in John 14 about going to prepare a place and then he was going to come back, all right, to take them began to make more sense to him. And the words that he had spoken in Matthew 20 about being crucified and then raised on the third day were beginning to be understood. Now, as I say that, though, I want you to get this. I don't think at that moment, though, everything was understood by Peter and the others. It wasn't because several verses later, beginning in verses 19 of John 20, we read this. It says, On the evening of that day, or otherwise later that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You see, since these disciples were not clear about what had happened with Jesus, they were gathered together behind locked doors because they feared for their lives. They were thinking that the people who had crucified Jesus would soon be coming after them. Shortly, though, that fear turned to joy as Jesus appeared in their midst, showing them the scars from his hand and on his side where he had been crucified. And then as he showed them that and they began to realize that Jesus, yes, he is alive, he gave them their marching orders to go out into the world and to tell others about him. This is the moment that no doubt changed their lives. Because beginning from this moment on, we see these disciples doing great things for the Lord. When they realized, yes, Jesus is alive, it completely changed their life. Now, I told you this morning that I wanted to focus on Peter. And somebody say, well, Brother Scott, why do you want to focus on Peter this morning? Well, first is this. He was prominent in the scriptures I just shared with you as he was one of the first to see the empty tomb. But also, I want to focus on Peter today because if we study his life, it shows us some very interesting things about the different people, phases that people find themselves in when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, here's where first many people start. They start as a casual follower of Jesus Christ. Now, why would I say this about Peter? Why would I say he started as a casual follower of Christ? Well, if we were to turn to Luke again and look at when Peter started following Jesus We have to ask ourselves this question. Why did Peter first follow Jesus Christ? Well, Luke records the following event in Simon Peter's life in chapter 5. He says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he, this being Jesus, asked him to put out a little further from the land. 
And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish and that, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now obviously today at the end of that it said this. It said that Peter and the others with him left everything and followed Jesus. Now, we want to look at that, and we want to praise their commitment, all right? But let's pause and ask, why did they so willingly at this moment drop their nets, drop everything, and follow Jesus? Well, why do you think that happened? Well, I'm going to give you a little speculation this morning, but I don't think it's a stretch to say this, that Peter and the others followed Jesus at this moment for a few selfish reasons. Catch this. Here is Peter, a fisherman, who had fished all night, Toiling, as he said, catching nothing. But then when Jesus says, drop your nets into the deep, and they obey, resulting in a catch of fish so large that two boats could not contain the fish without being to the point of the boats were beginning to sink. Do you think Peter might have thought to himself, well, I want to be with that guy who can help me catch this much fish. What do you think? As a fisherman, he said, yes, this is the guy that, that I want to be with. Now, I, I don't think that's the only reason. I don't think that's the sole reason because I also wouldn't be surprised at this, that if Peter was just happy that a rabbi or a teacher had asked him to be his disciple. You see, as a fisherman, Peter most likely didn't expect a rabbi to ask him to be his student. And so when he was asked by this up-and-coming rabbi, this rabbi that everybody in the land was beginning to talk about, he was so excited that this rabbi was saying, why don't you come and follow me? And Peter was probably thinking, well, this is my chance to get a step up in the world. This is my way to advance. He's probably thinking, better to be a student of a rabbi than a fisherman, right? It's probably, probably a much uh, less smelly job, don't you imagine? So he says, let me just follow this Jesus. I will be his students. Now, I mention this because I believe this is where so many people begin their journey with Jesus Christ. They begin as casual followers who follow Jesus more for their own personal gain than anything. Whether that gain they see is financial or prestige or physical health or maybe even emotional health, people follow Jesus more for the fact of what Jesus can do for them. Okay, now I don't, I'm going to make you shake your head this morning and say if that was you, because I know this, this is not completely a wrong motive. In fact, Jesus himself calls us to come to him because of this, because he is truly the only one who can help us, amen? Uh, he, he is. I mentioned last week as we talked about the blood of Jesus, that only Jesus Christ can provide forgiveness of sins. So there's always a, a measure of selflessness when it comes to following Jesus. However, a person who is simply a casual follower of Jesus only follows Jesus for what they can receive. I believe this is, again, where in many ways where Peter started. 
And I don't think that Peter, when he started following Jesus, that he understood the words that Jesus would later share, as recorded in Luke 9, where Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or forfeits himself? You see, I wonder if that's where some of you maybe are today. Let me ask you, is that where you are? Maybe you are just a casual follower of Jesus Christ. You say that you follow Jesus, but here's what all that means for you. What that means for you today is you're following him for all that Jesus can do for you. Maybe you see Jesus as the one who can help you gain the world. If that is you, as we go on today, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that there is something better than just being a casual follower of Jesus Christ. Because you see, as we continue to look at Peter's life, we see a change begin because following Jesus for selfish reasons only lasts for so long. If you truly follow Jesus, you begin to realize that, that you're just following for your own good, then, then you're going to be disappointed because Jesus will not give you everything you ask for. Let me go ahead and tell you that today. He's not going to give you your every whim this morning. At some point, people become like Peter where they move to this next place, where they move from being a casual follower to a curious follower of Jesus. You see, as Peter and the other disciples traveled with Jesus, they heard him speak and watch what he did. Questions arose in their life. For example, one time as they were with Jesus in a boat and he calmed a storm that threatened to sink their boat, we read this, and the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? You see, Peter and the other disciples didn't follow Jesus knowing fully who he was. And so as things began to happen in his ministry, they began to wonder, who really is this man? I mean, we followed him as our teacher. We followed him as our rabbi. But man, he can even calm the seas. Who is this man? Again, they must have first thought that they were following some great rabbi who taught like no other. But when the winds and the seas obeyed him, that was something that was hard for them to understand. But in reality, it wasn't just his power that was hard for them to understand. It was his teachings as well. After one such te teaching, Peter was, was bold enough to ask Jesus this question. He said, explain the parable to us. In other words, your teachings are pretty hard, Lord. We, we don't even understand what you're saying, all right? And I think for Peter, this was genuinely just a question of curiosity as he was seeking to understand the teaching of Jesus because even a few chapters later when Jesus teaches on forgiveness, Peter asked this. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? You see, someone who is a curious follower of Jesus does ask questions. And they, uh, in, in this curious phase, I believe, is an important part of life. How are you going to know what it means to follow Jesus, all right, if you don't ask questions about who he is and what his teachings mean? How are you really ever going to know who he is? You know, folks, I, I really don't regret when people are in this curious phase because when they are curious they are in a good place to discover the truth. Okay, hear me. They're in a good place to discover truth. See, asking who Jesus is is good if you're really ask, asking it because you want to know the answer to that question. I mean, asking what did the teachings of Jesus mean is also a good place if you're truly looking for the answer. 
When you consider Jesus, as much as he is greater than, than, than many people realize, you know, we can look at him and say, you know, I, I, I know that he's a great teacher. And some people just stop right there. They say he taught a lot of good things. I mean, man, he was such a great humanitarian. He helped so many people. But listen, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is much greater than that. And you have to move beyond those things. And the only way to move beyond those those things of saying he's a teacher or he is a good humanitarian is being curious and asking the question, who really is this Jesus Christ? And if you are curious enough, Here's what you will discover, that Jesus was God in flesh. You will discover that his teachings, that yes, they can be difficult, but listen, when you understand who he was, listen, you're, you're going to know who he was, and you ask the questions, Jesus, what were you teaching? When you ask the questions and become curious, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover that God truly wants our lives to be lived for him and not for us just to be religious. You see, that's what he wants. He doesn't want us just religious. He wants us to live for him. When you study his teachings, you can discover that he calls us to forgive, that he calls us to make a difference in the world, that he calls us to be servants. And at the same time, when you study his teachings, here's what you clearly understand, that he is the only way to heaven, that he is the only way to be with God forever. You see, once again, this phase is where some of you are. You're curious, and you're asking the question. And you're saying, who, who are you, Jesus? And I believe, again, that can be a good thing if you look to God, let him guide you in your search for answers. Because if you are curious and looking to God, I have no doubt that, about this, that you will find the truth. And when you find the truth, it will take you to a deep relationship with God. But just make sure as you are curious that you are sincerely seeking the truth and not just trying to justify your own life because it makes a huge difference where you're saying, I want to know the truth, that's why I'm asking the questions, or if you're being curious because you're trying to justify your own life. Now, I want to give you a word of caution. Today, if you're the casual or the curious, I'm going to tell you, you need to be careful. All right. Now, why is that? I say that because it's very easy to go to this next phase that I'm calling a confused follower of Jesus. This is at one point where Peter found himself, he found himself confused. One of the examples of this is found in John 13 where Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about his, coming, uh, his upcoming betrayal and his death. And, and his disciples, as, as they thought about that, they were confused. And Peter ends up having this exchange with Jesus where it goes like this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, you will lay down your life for me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. You see, Peter here was genuinely confused about what was getting ready to happen. And much of this confusion probably centered around the fact that he and the other disciples were still looking to Jesus as one who was going to be a warring king. They felt that at some point in time, Jesus would start a rebellion and he would overthrow the Roman government and he would sit on a throne in Jerusalem. This is evident in John 18 when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus. 
And Peter takes out a sword, and he was ready to fight, man. Peter might have thought, all right, in this moment, oh, here's the rebellion. It's getting ready to start. I'm drawing my sword. I'm ready to fight. I told Jesus I was ready to go with him wherever. I told Jesus I was ready to die with him. And so he pulled out his sword, and he was ready to go. But in that moment, what did Jesus say to Peter? He told Peter to put that sword away. And what did Jesus do? He allowed those soldiers to come and to take him. And to take him into to, uh, uh, you know, bondage there and to walk him where now he was in captivity uh, with them. And what happened to the disciples in that moment? Confused. Most of them scatter and they run. And Peter and John, even in their confusion, they followed at a distance. Why? Because they were wondering what was happening. How come Jesus has not started fighting? How come he's not started his rebellion? They were in this state of confusion. And folks, here's where the real danger exists for one who is a casual, curious, and confused follower of Jesus Christ. When the trials come, you abandon Jesus. Think about it. You got to be careful. Because if you are curious or you're just casual, you're confused, when the trials come, you will abandon Jesus. You see, as Jesus is led to a false trial, Peter made it into the courtyard of the high priest. And as he entered the courtyard, we read this. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also, are you not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, what? I am not. And here when Peter's questioned about being a disciple or a follower of Jesus, his quick answer was, I am not. He was abandoning Jesus in this moment. Then once in the courtyard, we read where Peter's struggles continue. Look what it says. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and so they said to him, You also are not, you, are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. You see Peter three times in his fear and in his confusion denied that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And why did he ultimately deny him? It was because he was confused about who Jesus was. Now, folks, this would be true about anyone. In fact, it might be true of some of you here today. Maybe you are confused about who Jesus was. And if someone was to ask you today, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Maybe even this morning you would say, no, I'm not. Maybe you say, I'm curious, I'm asking questions, but I'm really confused about him. And so I would have to say today, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, some of you would completely understand Peter's response, especially when you think about your life. Because here's what's happened to some of you, okay? Because you were casual and confused follower of Christ, there's been so many difficult things happen into your life. You're thinking, man, God doesn't care about me. I'm not even sure I believe in him because of what's happened in my life. I'm not sure I believe in Jesus Christ because I've had all of that trouble. And folks, when you're a casual follower of Christ, when the trouble comes, you do fall away from Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to do right now. I want to go back to where we started today. Because as we saw Peter and John make it to the empty tomb, where well, we read this in John 20. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as they yet did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Folks, it was the empty tomb that becomes the turning point. Because it states here, before they saw the empty tomb, they did not understand that Jesus must rise from the dead. 
They did not understand before this that Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. But folks, his resurrection changes everything. You hear me? It changes everything. In fact, what I want you to see is this, is that the resurrection moved Peter from being a casual follower who at times was curious and confused and moved him to the place where he was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You see, when he finally recognized that Jesus was more than a conquering king, and then instead he was the Lord of lords and God himself, then this changed his perspective. Even at the end of the Gospel of John, we can see where Peter has developed a deep love and commitment for Jesus. As he appears to his followers by the Sea of Tiberias before ascending into heaven, we see the disciples are offshore fishing. And then Jesus calls to them from the shore and tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat where they find another huge catch of fish. But then we read, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Look at this. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Now, you need to probably read the whole thing in context. He didn't throw himself in the sea to drown. You know what he did at this moment? He saw they were just off the shore, and when he found out that was Jesus calling to them from the shore, what did he do? He put his clothes, he jumped in the boat. Why? Because he wanted to run to get to Jesus as fast as he could. You see, he wasn't going to wait for these other disciples to get the fish in the boat because he didn't care about those fish anymore. What did he want? He wanted to see his risen Lord. Amen? Isn't that good news? And so he ran to them. And then later on, we see where Jesus has this conversation with Peter. And Peter reaffirms his love for Jesus three times. And I'm sure the Lord had that conversation just so Peter would know, I forgive you for denying me three times. But Peter three times said, yes, Lord, we know that you know that I love you. And here's what we know is that at this point, Peter gets it. He truly now is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And we know this because when we get to the book of Acts and we read about what happened after Jesus ascends back into heaven a few days after his resurrection, that Peter is the one who is out front and he's telling people about Jesus Christ. In fact, in Acts 4.13, we see this observation made by the enemies of Jesus. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see, these enemies were amazed. They were amazed at the boldness of Peter. He truly got it, and at this point, he was all in. He proved it with the rest of his life that he was committed to Jesus as he was often persecuted for his faith, he was thrown into jail, and he was eventually killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. He truly proved that he wasn't just a casual follower anymore. You see, after the resurrection, Peter wasn't going to deny Jesus because he understood finally that Jesus indeed was the Son of God and worthy to be followed at all costs. His basic message that we read in Acts was this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Okay. 
And Peter said to them, listen to what Peter's basic message was from now on after the resurrection. This was his basic message. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter realized now that Jesus wasn't a conquering king of the Romans, but he came to conquer sin, and he now called people to be forgiven because only Jesus can forgive. Amen? In fact, a little more uh, can, insight can come to Peter when we read his words in 1 Peter 1. Listen to what Peter, now a committed follower of Jesus Christ, writes. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In other words, Peter recognized that what was available to him through a faith in Jesus Christ was something that far surpassed anything this world had to offer. He recognized that through faith in Jesus Christ, one gains an inheritance that is forever. He recognized that the gift of eternal life that God offers even overshadows, hear me, even overshadows any trials that we face in life. Do you hear me, folks? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, even if you have trials, you can look and say, it's okay because I have an inheritance awaiting in heaven for me that is kept forevermore. That is why, listen, folks, for Peter, After the resurrection, he wasn't denying Jesus anymore, but he was willing, if necessary, to go to jail for his faith in Jesus Christ. For you see, truly, the resurrection changed everything. It was after the resurrection that Peter, for the first time, knew ultimate joy, and he knew ultimate peace. Now, let me say this to you. When I think about Peter's life on this Easter or Resurrection Sunday... I'm led to ask you this, all right, where are you today? Where are you today? Would you say this morning that you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ? I know as we come here at this 7.30 service, many of you are going to say, yes, I'm here at 7.30 on a Sunday morning, am I not? I'm a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Why else would you get up at 7.30 on a Sunday morning, amen, right? Well, hear me. If you honestly can say that you are committed to Jesus Christ, then the resurrection calls for you to celebrate the risen Lord. Thank you. All right, that's what it calls. If you're a committed follower of Jesus, what I have shared this morning, this is what I know, it is not new news to you, is it? No. You have heard it many times before. But if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, this is what I'm saying to you. This story should never grow old. All right, never. As a committed follower, you should be thankful that Jesus Christ died for you and that he rose again and he conquered the grave. Amen? And that way we should be proclaiming as Peter shared, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It means every day you should be celebrating this as a believer. And you're just excited to hear this story this morning like it was the very first time. Amen? Are you all with me today? It's too early, all right? Also, it says this, you should be living your life with joy. 
the joy that only God can give you. If you know the hope of Jesus, folks, you, you know that there is a, a great inheritance waiting for you, and that should overshadow any trouble that this world brings. You see, Jesus has given you ultimate hope, so daily, hear me, daily you should be celebrating him. Amen? That's what I'm saying. If you're committed, you're called this morning to celebrate the risen Lord. Now, if you're here today and you are just a casual follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're curious or maybe even a little confused. I wonder, have you considered what it means that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? Have you really stopped to consider it? Because this is what I'm going to say. For the casual, curious, or the confused, the resurrection calls for you to commit. It calls for you to commit. The resurrection declares this, that Jesus Christ is truly like no other. No one else in history has resurrected from the dead. He is unique, and his resurrection proves he is who he said he was. And what that means to your life is more than what I have time to share today. But let me tell you, the most important thing is this, that Jesus Christ offers to you forgiveness and freedom from the slavery of sin so that you might live for God. In fact, the apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 6. He said, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died, look at this, has been set free from sin. And now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also what? Live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, listen, will never die again. Death, look, no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Look at this. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and what? Alive to Christ. See, see hear me, folks. We all basically struggle with the same thing. You know that, right? We all are struggling because of sin and its control on our lives. Can we agree to that? We all basically struggle with that same thing. That is why even for many people who start following Christ casually, they do it because they're fighting sin and ultimately the sin of selfishness. Correct? Yes? I mean, many of you, you started following Jesus very casually, and why? Because you thought, just Jesus, man, he can give me a lot of stuff, so I want him, right? And, and that's where we start. We, we, we all start there. Folks, listen, when a person discovers the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is, you find forgiveness of your sins and a different motivation for living. Because when you become alive to God in Jesus Christ, everything changes. And I want to say to some of you today who you're casual or you're confused this morning about who Jesus Christ is, you want a different life, that different life changes when you become committed to Jesus Christ by recognizing that he rose from the dead, proving he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you give your life to him, it will radically change everything about who you are. So you see, it leads me really to ask today this. Have you placed your faith in the one who can conquer sin? Have you placed your faith in the one who proved it by conquering the grave? 
Folks, if not, today is a day to give your life to Jesus. And what you will discover, indeed, is your life will never be the same. Again, not casually following Jesus, but when you truly commit to Jesus, you will discover that not only will he forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life, but he will also guide you and direct you as you seek to live for God. I'm saying today, let the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning be the thing for you that says this, I am ready to live for God. And I am ready to live for God because I know who Jesus Christ is, because he resurrected from that grave to prove it. And because of that today, I am ready to give my life to him. So as we come to an invitation, let me ask you, where are you this morning? Some of you this morning, if you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ already, can I tell you during this invitation, I want to encourage you to celebrate the risen Lord. Would you do that? You should be singing and understanding, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. I mean, it might even not even hurt for some of you to come to the altar and just kneel and say, Lord, I want to come to this altar spending a little time saying, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me because of my sin. I didn't deserve it, but thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Some of you need to come. And there are others here this morning. Again, maybe you're casual, you're confused this morning. Maybe you're curious. I'm here to tell you today is the day to step out by faith and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And maybe if you're here today and say, I, I don't know if I got enough answers. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready. But maybe you're to the point where you're really curious and you want to know more. Why not just even come this morning and say, I may be interested in following this Jesus, but I need just a little bit more. Come, begin the conversation with us. We'll share with you more. Because like I said, what all Jesus means to you is more than I've got time to share today. I'm giving my lifetime to letting you know what that means, all right? More than i got time. But if you'll come this morning and say, I want to know this Jesus Christ, we'll begin a conversation with you to tell you more about who he is. And hopefully, too, you'll move to the point that you'll say, I understand who he is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He died for my sins, and I need his forgiveness, and so I'm giving my life to him. That's where we want to take you. If you're ready for that, come today. We'll be here to pray with you, whatever you're ready to do. But I'm going to ask you today, do you need to come today, be a committed follower of Jesus Christ? If so, why not step out by faith, give your life to the risen Lord? Would you pray with me? Our Father, we bow in this moment just coming to you asking you to continue to speak to our hearts today, Father. We know that you loved us and you loved us unconditionally. The cross on Friday proved that, but today, Lord, really proved the depth of your love as you rose from the dead. And Father, today, because of the resurrection, we know that death and hell and sin have been defeated today. And I thank you, Lord, that you have overcome those things for me, that you have overcome those for all who put their faith in you. So this morning, God, as we come to this invitation, I truly pray that you'll speak to hearts. I pray for the committed follower that they will continue to celebrate you every day and that your story would never grow old with them. And then, Father, for those who are casual or curious or confused, that today would be the day that some would step out by faith and realize, I don't need to be confused anymore. I don't need to be casual anymore. I, I, I don't need to be curious because I, I know that Jesus rose for me. And so today is the day I want to give my life to you. I pray that there would be some who would, by faith, Step out today and become your committed follower. And so, Father, this invitation, indeed, I give to your hand. Truly blessed, I pray. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.